Delaware County's premier podcast with your hosts, Dennis and Michelle. Welcome to This Week in the Bear Cave. I'm Dennis Zerl, and I want to thank you for joining me this week. This week, we are sponsored by Abode Real Estate, your professional real estate advisors in Colorado Springs and Teller County. The historic Butte Theater in Cripple Creek, Colorado, bringing you the best productions in the United States. And Peak Washing, LLC, the pressure washing professionals for that dirty job. Another interesting week here in the good old United States, and uh, we'll talk about some of that nonsense here in just a moment. Well, this week in the Bear Cave, we have Woodland Park City Mayor Hillary Labar joining us today for the Mayor's Corner. And uh, we have a surprise for you today. We've been talking about this for, oh, I don't know, over a year, I guess. But as you know, we have been talking about our state champion Woodland Park cheer team for weeks and even since last year, I guess. Well, when it rains, it pours because today we have the head coach, Shayna Lampton, and assistant coach, Cheyenne Hellman from Woodland Park High School Cheer coming into the Bear Cave on our third segment. Michelle and Trevor are on hiatus this week, so story time will be back next week along with Trevor Phipps and some of the local happenings. But uh, I got to tell you, I'm really stoked and looking forward to talking with these coaches today, and it's going to be great. And uh, I want to give them a little thanks for their hard work on what they have been doing because uh you should be proud woodland park because they are the state champions and now they're heading to the national so that's going to be an interesting conversation also coming on to the bear cave hotline today we have butte theater manager zach stanio he's going to tell us about the latest and very unique production happening at the butte theater in cripple creek now next week we'll be joined by tammy lowell owner and founder of oyate herbals here in teller county i hope i pronounced that correctly as you all probably know, she's a longtime resident here in Teller County and a Native American herbalist from the Lakota Nation with over 30 years of experience in Eastern, Western, and Native American herbology. So that's going to be another epic guest that we have on the Bear Cave. Can't wait to have her on. And wrapping up the month of January is our friend Mark Gregory. Like I said before, I always call Mark one of my local history mentors, and I'm glad he's coming into the cave, and uh, we'll see what he's been up to lately. We are already working on our guest list for February, and as soon as we have that locked in, we'll let you know. So 2023 is really starting to shape up nicely here in the Bear Cave. But with all that being said, by now I'm sure everybody's seen the memes going through social media. And just like that, having classified documents stored in your house or in your garage next to your Corvette is no longer a big deal because our boy Sniffy Joe has done the same thing that he was so appalled about and called totally irresponsible just a few months ago when he referenced the Donald having classified documents in his home office. But there are a couple of differences between him and the Donald. The Donald didn't want to give up those documents at first, and he claimed that he had declassified them in his mind. Remember when he said that? You know, I was the president, can just, uh, in my mind, just declassify documents. Well, uh, okay, how's that working out for you? His words, not mine. And I honestly think that Sniffy just plain doesn't remember what the hell he has in either his private home office or apparently in his garage now. And some of those documents were reportedly classified and marked as top secret. Another difference between the two is that some of those documents found at Sniffy's were allegedly found before the November midterm elections, but uh, why are we just hearing about them now? Like 10, 12 weeks later? And of course, there were no FBI SRT teams crashing the doors fully armed with M4s and body armor, no going through the First Lady's underwood drawers, or no checking her closet. 
closets. None of that happened. The fact that they waited until after the elections just goes to show you that it is a one-way street for the White House. It really is. And what happened to being the president of the people for all American people? Remember he said that? And also, the documents were spread in different locations. It just wasn't in his home office. It was in the garage? Really? And that's just what we know about, right? The White House spokeshole, Karine Jean-Pierre... She said the files were inadvertently misplaced and that they were cooperating fully. Now, if you see her at the press conference, man, I got to tell you, I feel bad for White House press secretaries because when stuff like this happens to the president of the United States, you probably aren't getting any sleep and probably squirming in your bed all night long trying to figure out what the hell you're going to say to the media the next day. Another thing about all this that should make you ask some more questions, and apparently Sniffy's private lawyers who have been dealing with all of this are the ones who are pouring through all those boxes of classified material. Now, I've got to ask, personal lawyers? And who are these lawyers? Do any of these guys have top secret security clearances? Does anyone really know who these people are? Seems awful suspect to me. But all these shenanigans aside, you've got to look at the big picture. It is possible that Sniffy Joe and the Donald are going to be our only choices come 2024. If that's the case, then we are truly screwed. My opinion only. I mean, surely both parties have to be looking at some actual leaders for a change, right? Someone who can actually help move this country forward without some kind of self-interest or payback? Yeah, I know. Good luck with that one, right? I mean, good Lord, we've become the society of empty-headed meat puppets just bowing down to greed and corruption. Sure seems like that's the way it's going these days, but I am still going to remain optimistic and believe that the American people can make up for this lack of leadership and this nightmare that's going on and say enough already. It really is time for logic and reason, people. But just when you think it can't get any more bizarre, this happens. Last week, another empty-headed woke hole with the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission by the name of Richard Trumpka Jr., and yes, his last name is spelled Trumpka with a K-A, he proposed a ban on gas stoves, calling them a hidden hazard. He says the appliances have shown to be harmful to both human health and the environment, according to the EPA. Yeah, there's another reliable source for you, right? It just depends on uh, which president is in power at the time, and that's who's going to be the head of the EPA. So here's the catch. Remember the whole newly passed Green New Deal disguised as the Inflation Reduction Act? Yeah, well, I think that's what all this is about. Well, in that, it includes an $840 rebate to replace equipment like gas stoves. What is that based on? What studies have been done? Well, according to Trumpka, agency staff, agency staff now, right? And I'll say it again, agency staff, and I don't know if they're scientists or you know whoever's on that staff, but they said that they plan to start gathering data and perspectives from the public on potential hazards associated with gas stoves. And they're going to propose solutions to these hazards associated with gas stoves. And those proposed solutions are going to come out later this year. Uh, wait a minute. Seriously? You don't have any evidence whatsoever to back your claims right now. And you want to ban gas stoves used by over 40% of the Americans. So I have a question for you. Since when does the federal government decide how American families are going to cook their dinner? This is a new one on me. Does anyone else see a problem here? And uh, by the way, who is this Trumpka guy? Well, we looked into it a little bit and we found out that he is the son of the late Richard Trumpka, 
who was a staff attorney with the United Mine Workers Association of America and was elected as the international executive board member of the United Mine Workers and later became the president. He was also the secretary treasurer for the AFL-CIO. See where this is all going? He was also indicted on federal perjury charges in January of 2001 because of some alleged funneling of monies to buy votes from the AFL-CIO to a group called Citizen Action, which is basically a liberal grassroots lobbying and organizing group. So this is all starting to tie in, right? So it kind of seems like the apple didn't really fall that far from the tree because, number one, he's taken up the same type of causes his father did. And, of course, Sniffy nominated him to sit on the CPSC, the Government's Consumer Protection Agency. Boy, that seems counterintuitive, right? So here we have another lawyer, Chogi Boy, who studied industrial and labor relations at Cornell and graduated from Georgetown University Law Center and now has become somehow an expert on gas stoves and ranges? Hold on there. My God, when does all this madness actually stop? So, just like most administrations through the years, you pay back those who help you get into power, regardless of their qualifications, right? And I'm sure that uh, Trumpka Jr. in the future is going to be appointed in dealing with the environmental issues, wherever those are supposed to be this week. All right, well, enough of that garbage because we have a lot to get to today. And when we come back, the mayor's corner with Woodland Park City Mayor Hillary Labar. So don't go away. You know, moving can be stressful. I know. I've moved 13 times in 20 years and I've lived in four different states. When it finally came time to move back to Colorado, Woodland Park and Teller County were our target locations. But before I moved back home, I was looking for a real estate broker who understood and had experience with military families and knew the area well. I found Abode Real Estate and Joshua Dorsey. I called Josh right away and it only took 35 days to not only find our forever home, but to close and move into it. Josh understood exactly what we were looking for because he's a common sense person and knows a good deal from a bad one. He'll make every effort to make sure you get the home that you absolutely want and love. As your real estate advisor, Josh will focus on client satisfaction. His business is about service and he's not happy until you're happy. Whether it's finding you a home, finding the best loan, or helping you get the most out of selling your home, Josh is there to guide you. So if you're considering a real estate professional, give Josh a call today at 719-433-4773 or email him at joshua at csabode.com. That's J-O-S-H-U-A at csabode.com. I'm confident that you will be completely satisfied. I'm your host, Dennis Zarrell, and our guest this week for the Mayor's Corner is Woodland Park City Mayor Hillary Labar. Welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me back. Of course. Did you have a decent holiday? I did. Yeah, we did those gingerbread houses. You, I was going to ask you about that. Same winter this year, too, dang it. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I went to my uh, my nephew's house and they had the kits, so then it, it mm-hmm. all clicked. Yes. I'm just like, okay, I get it now. They're just like, you know, small little things, but... Uh, I had an insurrection at the party. Ah. Uh-huh. Everyone decided, no more of these little tiny houses. 
we need the big ones and we need partners because <laughs> we're all getting too old to hold the little ones and like try to do it ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so you got bigger ones with you. Well, not this year, but uh, ne- so next year. So all the tiny ones, let them go because we're moving on to a new era next year. Oh, so. <laughs> should record all this stuff. So, uh, well, I have pictures and everything. So, but. so what are you going to do with the bigger ones now? You're going to have to make more room in your house to store them all. I know. Well, hopefully, hopefully most of them won't turn out very good and then we'll just keep the winner. <laughs> just crush them. Yeah. Okay. We're just going to keep one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Really, the point is just getting together and doing it and yeah. having a good time. Did Peter make it home for Christmas or was he no, still? he was gone. So Is he still gone? Uh, he was home for like nine days and then he just left again and then he'll be home next week for a little bit. Well, I mean, as long as he likes doing what he's doing, he's making, you got to be making some decent wages, right? Yeah. He loves it. He loves being a pilot. So I don't oh. think you could do it if you didn't love it because it's grueling. I'm leaving you on the, on the diocese. Yeah. <laughs> or you can deal with all these people in Woodland Park. Oh yeah. He has no interest whatsoever in the politics of the town or what's going on. He's, yeah. we have a rule where I'm not to vent about it at all because he just doesn't want to hear it. I try to have that rule with my wife because she works in Cripple Creek. I'm not going to say where, you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's hard not to bring things home. Yeah. And it takes a fair amount of discipline just to go, okay, look, we're going to have dinner and just kind of chill. Yeah. And go watch some mindless television for a minute. It's really hard. So because, you know, the decisions we make too affect all of us personally, you yeah. know, as, as citizens and homeowners. And so I want to talk to him about it, but he's sick of it. You know, politics in general, like at the national level, has become so bizarre. Mm-hmm. It's this, uh, lately it's this three ring circus. <laughs> you know, nobody can seem to get along or decide or, or, or make adult decisions for some reason. Right. I mean, for me, it's, it's awesome. You know, I got hours of entertainment, yeah. but uh, when you kind of take a step back, you go, it's so surreal to me. Well, nothing gets accomplished. No, not at and all. And there's no professionalism and it just becomes about everybody's feelings. And, uh, you know, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, everything just goes in a, an infinite circle and decisions don't get made. Business doesn't get moved forward. And then everybody personally attacks everyone. So, Well, earlier in the opening segment, I talked about uh, the latest ban on gas stoves. Oh my God. (laughs) This is what it's come down to. And uh, oddly enough, the guy who was in the forefront of all this, his name is Trumpka, which is, I I thought was kind of funny. And you know, his dad was ironic. Yeah. Right. His dad was the president of the AFL CIO. So you can see where all this is going. Right. So it's all, it's, it's kind of like family payback that's happening right now. But people's lives are affected because over 40% of the population in the United States uses gas stoves. Right. Trying to compare that with Sitting in your garage and then turning on your car and breathing fumes is absolutely ludicrous. And people are buying into this stuff. I just, I don't get it. Well, it's to better control us. It is. It's all about control. Yeah. And I mean, the power grids aren't built to sustain that much. And I mean, look at California. They've got rolling blackouts constantly. And now they're not going to be allowed to have gas in their homes to heat their homes and to use it for cooking. Or don't forget that you can't plug in your electric vehicles at certain times because of the rolling brownouts oh, you know, I know. That, that happens. I know. And, and the new building codes are initiating that all over and including here in the state of Colorado and Teller County. They're going to change it so you can't build a house with gas. Right. And how on earth out in the middle of nowhere are you going to run electric and then you're going to have electric baseboard heat, which is the worst kind and the most expensive. You see the bear cave. I mean, you should go out and look at the meter as they're spinning around in circles. Not to mention running a holiday contest at the same time. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I got the bill. Well, the other thing too is like in Denver, people opted into where Excel controls your climate control. The thermostat. The thermostat. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And then they were without heat when it was bitter cold because Excel determined what temperature your house could be and they could control it because it was through electricity. Well, we used to call Paulus uh, Governor Yoga Pants, but now I'm, I'm calling him Little Gavin Newsom. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the other thing though is uh, sometimes it's not all him. I mean, like the Denver City Council, True. they have made some crazy, yeah. crazy decisions. So my latest thing is, I don't know if you read this or not, but now they want to get rid of Tabor altogether, right? Mm -hmm. To help school teachers. Okay. I, I get all that. And it's like, oh, you know, we're going to have all these free programs. Well, they're not free. No. Just like the school lunch bill that passed. Nothing is free. We're paying for it. Yeah. They're just dipping into Tabor like it's a bank account, right? right. And uh, California tried doing the same thing. And now they went from a, I can't remember how many billion dollar surplus they had to now they're billions of dollars in the hole yeah. in like two years. Right. How the hell did that happen? You know? Idiocracy. Well, yeah. Good point. I think that should be played in every school. <laughs> it should be. So. It kind of makes Teller County politics look kind of insignificant when you think about it, you know, but. I mean, yes and no, because what ends up happening is people watch CNN and people watch Fox News and then they project that onto, you know, the councils here in, in Teller County and the commissioners. And, and, you know, what's hard is like with Cripple Creek and Victor and, and Woodland Park, we're just volunteers. Now, Cripple Creek and Victor get a stipend, but right. in Woodland Park, we get nothing. We are pure volunteers. Even though we're elected, we get no salary, no compensation. Uh, we get to go to uh, Colorado Municipal League every year, has an, an education forum for a week. And we can do that. And it's paid for, you know, through tax dollars. But that's our, our benefit of being on council is to try to get educated, which we all should. But we get no pay for anything. You get beat up for free. We do. And it, it takes a toll on a lot of my council members because they really take it personally and their spouses, it takes a toll on them. It can cause a divide sometimes in households. And it's really a shame because I mean, with my last name, I'm used to it. And yeah. I learned early on, just let it go, you know, because there's always going to be people that are upset with you and don't like you. And that's the way it is. And, and you're putting yourself front and center for the criticism. So After a while, it has to get kind of tiring, just rolling with the punches. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I just, I don't read the paper and I don't get on social media. And if yeah. something really important is being said, people will let me know. But I try to encourage my council members just, you know, unfortunately, just throw the paper out. Don't read it. Don't look at the editorials. Don't look at the letters. Oftentimes it's just critiquing us in a way that is very misleading as well. Well, it takes the emotion right out of it. I mean, look at what's happening up in Cripple Creek right now with the recall of the council members up there. It's uh, it's insane. It's bananas. Well, it is. And, and you know, the, the irony is, these people are giving of their time. They're trying to do the right thing. They're not doing anything illegal. It's just something that some people don't like. And then no one takes a minute to step back and say, how does that impact future volunteers for these positions? Because it goes back to that feelings thing that you were talking about, you know? Yeah. I guess I learned through, you know, my professional experience, I can separate myself from what's being said versus what's being done. And I try to encourage counsel too, because, you know, they want to give speeches on the dais and they want to, they want to justify their decisions to the public because they want the public to understand. And I keep telling them the way the public understands is the way you vote. Your vote is the answer. And you don't have to justify it. You should just go on YouTube and play back old city council meetings 
and mm. make him watch it during the executive session. It's like, remember this? Yeah. Remember this whole part that was happening? Right. We got over that and we don't want to slide back into that again. I, I don't think it's ever, that's ever going to happen. Not as long as you're around. Well, well, I don't know that it's me, but the, nobody it, wants to go see the principal. Yeah. The group I have now, I mean, they, you know, they do a pretty good job and especially sometimes they heavily disagree, but they still make it through decisions, which that wasn't happening for a while, or it was so bitter and so personal. And it's weird because the decisions we make are not personal, right? They're business. So trying to remove yourself from that and trying to remind council members, stop taking this so personally and also take it at the 100,000 foot view. You don't need to put yourself right into the middle of it and and make it all about you. Right. I know that the votes impact you. I know they impact your household, but they're impacting everyone. And the more personal you get with it, the more difficult it becomes to make a decision. See, I couldn't do it. I'll, I'll be the first one to admit. I Could I sit up there and listen to, to things all the time without getting emotional? Or I'm such a media junkie as yeah. it is anyway. I don't take a lot of social media at heart, obviously. But yeah, yeah I read newspapers. I listen to a lot of different radio. I listen to more radio than I actually watch television. There's a lot of different opinions that are out there. And of course, radio sure. shows are, you got a million of them out there you can choose from, right? And I, I get a lot of ideas from listening to those kinds of people. But I think you're right. It's, at the national level, I'm sure that you were looking at papers every single morning and, you know, who says something about McCarthy and, you know, Lauren Boebert or whatever the nonsense is. But even that's got to wear on you after a while. And I think it's a smart move. It's like, why pay attention to the local fish rep? Who cares? Right. Well, the one thing that's really difficult too is, and this is the way I look at national politics as well, is I don't know who's telling the truth and who isn't. And when yeah. somebody's speaking about somebody personally, I don't know if they really know them or not. Because I can guarantee you that the majority of people that have ever spoken poorly of me, they don't know me. They've never met me. They've never tried to reach out and have coffee with me or get to know me. They don't want to get to know you. They just want to attack you because it gives them, I don't know, something to do. They want to talk smack. It's fun. I get it. I get that it's fun and it's fun to have a target. So, you know, I'll be your target and I'd prefer it be me over any of my other council members because I'm used to it and I let it go a lot better than, than some of them can. Just when you think you saw it all, George Santos pops up. <laughs> What the hell? That guy should just be kicked out. I don't, I don't even understand. Like how have we gotten to the point in this country now where the speaker of the house, you know, clearly needs the votes, right? Yeah. And he goes, well, the people voted him in. It's like, wait a minute. Okay. They didn't know what they were voting on. Yeah. This guy was an amateur liar because he, he came out and admitted everything. You guys are professionals. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you get paid big money to, to do this kind of crap, but that's the latest one that just kind of, I mean, I'm watching all this unfold, you know? And how do you ignore that? You just can't. You shouldn't. That person should not be there because he was put there under false premise. Absolutely. He should step down. You know, you want to admit that you're a liar and then you want to hang in there. I'm telling you, it's crazy. That is crazy. Now, if anybody wants to attack him, please be my guest. Yeah. He deserves it. So, I agree. Because he is a liar. I was going to ask you if you had any classified documents kind of stuck underneath your car and gear. <laughs> I don't think the city produces classified documents. Yeah, everything yeah. is everything is the public's document. This is what it's come down to, and uh, we talked about that in the opening segment as well with uh, Sniffy, you know, talking about how he was just 
is totally irresponsible. Well, you know, I mean, I'm sure every president has walked out of the White House with something. Absolutely. Really, I think the point of it, in my opinion, is who cares? First of all, who cares? Did did it cause a war? Did some mad scientists get a hold of something and that's how we have coronavirus here now? I don't know. But really the point should be if one did it and another did it, hold them equally accountable. I agree. That That's it. That's yeah. all. You guys have got a lot on your plate right now, too. And I'm going to rehash this again. Fine. It's like it's all about the short term rentals again. It's kind of come kind of full circle. Well, so you know, where do you go from here now? Well, and that's that's part of the whole guys don't read the paper, put it down, let it go. Because um, I respect the group of citizens that had put the petition together. It's their right to do it. I appreciate their participation in the community. There is an aspect I don't appreciate, though, and it's that they are misleading. And, you know, the ordinance is not called the Wild West. That was a council member's notes, and he decided to project that to the public. Boy, that took off, didn't it? It sure did. And hopefully a lesson learned that you don't put your private notes up on a big screen for the public (laughs) to see. Oops. Because they run with whatever benefits their argument. Well, as it turns out, it was, it was actually counterproductive because uh, in my mind, I'm going, okay, this is either a genius move to get voters to vote against this whole ordinance or we've given up and thrown in the towel kind of thing. I know that's not the case. Well, what's not being said by the people who are petitioning is our ordinance included penalties, fines, fees, and actual regulation. And they've left that out completely. I mean, all they're saying is, It's a free-for-all. And I'm sorry, we've had STRs for many, many, many years. They've already existed. And we have about 180 out of 3,500 homes. And then when the moratorium was suspended, we weren't inundated with applications. And it's a misguided direction to the public with this petition. And I would be more positive and more in support of it if they were more honest with the way that they produced the petition. It was kind of amazing what some of the stuff I was reading, some of the editorials, because people get all emotional. Oh, yeah. They start writing and they, you know, they get out their crayons and they just, you know, go South Park and rabble, rabble on everything. But the newspapers, it's like, hey, it's a headline. Well, it's the Wild West. Yeah. And I was disappointed in the newspapers because I didn't read the articles, but then somebody was like, hey, you should read this. So I read it. And, yeah. you know, it was disappointing because it was completely one-sided and no one even asked to verify like the name of the ordinance. It's a number. It's not called the Wild West. No one asked to verify what's actually in the ordinance. It isn't a free-for-all. It's not really Wild West because it's not like a bunch of chaos. That's the other thing. The name implies like chaos. And there is no chaos. And the petitioners have admitted they just don't want one next to them. They don't like it. And the worst thing I've heard was, well, we have one in our neighborhood and there's a big van parked in the driveway. I saw that. I'm sorry. How is that hurting your community in a legal, justifiable manner that you would take a property right away from someone. Because you have to remember too, this isn't taking property from a right from an individual. This is stigmatizing the property for life. It runs with the property for life, not the person. Come up to council and they speak and they say, oh, we we want everybody who has one to still have one. Except they're running ads on Facebook. They're paying for ads on Facebook that are reaching you know thousands of people. And in the ad, it says, we only want residents who live in their home to be allowed to have this thing. We don't want anybody else to have one. Yeah, it's a little bit short-sighted there. And so they're double speaking. They're not being open about it. They'll say one thing, but they write another thing. And that's where my frustration and consternation comes from with them is it's just then be honest. Be honest 
and also advertise what the actual ordinance is. It is not a free-for-all. It wasn't just everybody do whatever they want. It was there were consequences built in, and it was that the council wanted to take time to better understand the true deep impact of making these decisions in this community. I don't care what Vale did. I don't care what Breckenridge is doing. They've got a ton of money to do whatever the hell they want to do, and they're doing it, and it's still hurting people that live there. There are entire subdivisions in Breckenridge that are now not going to be allowed to STR their homes, and they have historically done it for since before I was alive. They had been STRing their homes, and it was the way they afforded to have the home there. And those are whole neighborhoods, and now they're out. And is and and it can cause foreclosures. It can cause delinquency in mortgages. It can cause numerous negative impacts to these people, which I think is my responsibility to care more than just about how you feel about who's next to you. That's my job, too, is community character of a neighborhood. Sure. But my job is to understand how am I damaging someone? Because that's all the government ever does is damage. When we initiate a law, it doesn't protect you. It doesn't benefit you. It damages you. Seems that way lately, for sure. That's what happens. And I don't want to damage people to the best of my ability. The other thing the people running this petition don't mention is that all of our hotels, motels, our lodging is jammed up with people who are living there because of Kara's Bible College. They are living there long term. That's true. That's not the law. So where's your problem with that? That's not the law. And they're living there full time, can't have tourists come in because they can't book a room because people are living there. Not only are they living there, they're using those addresses to vote from there. So where's your problem with that? That's the one thing that drives me crazy. Okay. So, okay. Technically you're going to school, right? Or whatever you want to call it. You're going to, you're going to King Andy's domain up on the hill and you live in a freaking motel. And so your address is such and such, you know, highway 24 room number 65. Yeah. How does that work? Because the Secretary of State is allowing it. That's why. And the thing is, is it's for me, it's not about Karis. I don't care what organization it would be with or what purpose you're doing it for, but you're living in a motel long term and treating it as if it's your residence. And that's against the law. That's against zoning. So where's everyone's outrage with that zoning? Well, where are we at right now? So it's uh, we're, we're waiting to count votes, right? We're seeing if there are, was it 712 or whatever that is, the magic number? I think it's like 724, something like that. And I know they got about 900 signatures. So the clerk is still in the process of verifying all the signatures because you have to be a citizen of Woodland Park and also be a registered voter. So all they had to do was go to Eagle County Lodge or Eagle Fire Lodge and get signatures from people who live in a motel. I'm not saying that's what they did, but that's about how ridiculous I see this position as. Our ordinance is on hold. We can't initiate any of the rules that we put in the ordinance. We can't move forward with the housing study or the law enforcement study. We can't do anything. So now it just sits in limbo. And I, I don't know, it's just, I feel like cut your nose off to spite your face with, with this kind of thing. And not one of the people who were pro-petition ever spoke to me about my position. That's kind of the way it goes. Same thing with recalls. I mean, I, I talked to, uh, you know, we had Mark Green on a couple of weeks ago and uh, he's claiming that not a single person who was part of the whole recall process has ever contacted him or Charles Soleimani. But I'm sure they haven't. Well, it's, that's kind of how it goes. It it's is. easier to, to be a keyboard hero or to write an editorial sure. in the fish wrap somewhere 
than it is to actually sit down, have a cup of coffee and go, okay, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. And it gets back to what I've been saying for a while now. And that is to find out what the core commonalities that we have with one another, what we do agree on, and then go from there. But we're just, I don't know, I think it's just society these days. We're just so quick to jump on people and make stuff up to to further our egos. Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird. I think people like to be outlandish. Oh, yeah. I think no one wants to face the truth because yeah. the truth can be just. Sure. And and why? Why bother with that? Let's just go with what we hate and what we don't like and, and what we don't know. Works for me for my bid for Congress next year because, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I graduated from Harvard. That was it. Yeah, I'm Notre Dame all the way. <laughs> I think we're onto something here. And you can get elected. Yeah. Craziest thing. It is. And, and you know, it's really frustrating, too, with um, the Woodland Park Council. They're all volunteers. And they, you know, they have regular jobs, they have regular lives, and they're trying to do something right for the whole community. All of us, all of us, regardless of our position, we're communicating, we are arguing through the issues, we are, you know, fighting our positions and acquiescing our positions. And, you know, a petition like this, it's fine. It's legal. I, like I say, I appreciate the participation, but it also really discourages the council from doing what they're doing because they're trying to represent the community as a whole. And that's 8,000 some people. That, that's not even 700. It's beyond 700. Right. And to get, get the negativity and the misleading information and, you know, the scrutiny it concerns me with, the, well, then who will run? Who will run when these positions are up? Who wants to sit under that kind of negative limelight that isn't wholly honest? That is the question, isn't it? Who's going to hang in there for the long run and, yeah. and uh, stick by their guns and their, you know, basically their beliefs and represent the people like they're supposed to be represented? Right. And I think, you know, council really genuinely felt that they were doing the right thing by wanting the studies, wanting to be further informed and not making a decision on a whim. I am a little personally disappointed because I do feel like the planning commission's ordinance was appropriate and I voted for it and we needed just one more vote. You know, Kelly, Rusty and I supported the planning commission ordinance. We thought that, look, I don't love it. I don't I don't want to regulate anybody's home. But that is where it comes into politics of it and, and representing the community and not just yourself as a whole. So what, you know, one thing I'd like your listeners to understand is even though, I mean, I'm libertarian and I don't like any of this. I think it's all BS. You know, I, I think you should have the freedom to be an entrepreneur and use your property. And But I don't represent me. I represent the community. And I supported the Planning Commission's ordinance. I don't like the caps. I didn't like a couple of simple things in it, but we couldn't get that fourth vote. And, you know, I kind of blame those council members because they caused this spiral too, because they couldn't make a decent decision. Sometimes you do need to insulate yourself because that one pecking bird on your shoulder is not the whole of the community. And I feel like they've treated these STRs as if they're something new, as if they didn't exist. And suddenly this ordinance created them, which is not at all what happened. Like you said before, you've got to be able to put your emotions aside and make a decision that's best for the city in itself. Yeah. So, you know, I can see both sides because I, I'm not a big fan of them. You know yeah. that. Um, I have one next door to the Bear Cave and sometimes it's okay and other times it's just completely frustrating. Right. Um, I would like to have an owner I can talk to. Right. And that's in our ordinance. That we can't initiate right now. Before people, you get too emotional and crazy about this stuff. Pick up the phone, call your city council members. You can call the mayor. Not being forward enough thinking to realize you're just stalling the train. 
you are not creating progress. You're not accomplishing something. You're stalling everything out, which maybe that's what they want. They want to just stall everybody out so that nothing can happen, which that makes sense to me. You're hurting your neighbors by doing that. You're not helping anyone but yourself, which is okay if you're just a regular citizen circulating a petition, but it's not okay for me. Not okay for me as the mayor of this town to hurt people. That's not my position. Would you think that in January we're still talking about this? I hope not. We start talking about this back in, I don't know, October, the last time you were on. You know, if they get the signatures, great. We'll deal with it. If they don't get the signatures, epic. Let's move on with this. Let's get this resolved. Let's get everybody confident in moving forward with what they've been doing. But it's still a study. This this ordinance is not the final ordinance either. We're still asking for further information. I respect their action. Like I respect their right to do what they're doing, but I have no respect for the way they're doing it because it's misleading and it's dishonest. It is not accurate. Well, fair enough. I mean, no. Uh... We'll drop this one right now because uh, it seems like it's just not going away, but uh, it's going to have to end eventually. Yeah. Maybe the next time you come on in April, by then it'll be resolved. We hope. Maybe. Then I'll just have a year left on council too. <laughs> All right. We're opening up another yogurt shop in town. <laughs> yeah. My hat's off to you guys though. I, I mean, uh, knowing me, I wouldn't last a week. I blow my lid. So uh, the fact that you're all volunteers, number one, to me is uh, I couldn't do it. <laughs> it's like, you don't pay me enough to do this kind of crap or put up with guys like me, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't get paid to read Facebook posts, so I don't read them. <laughs> oh, touche. We get so wrapped around social media, like it's actually the honest to God's truth, oh, you know? It's Shut disgusting. Shut that computer down. It's gotten so big in the last few years that we've lost our freaking minds. Yeah. I mean, we really have. Now we're, you know, we're talking about pronouns and we're talking about banning gas stoves and oh, all these crazy social agendas. And it's just like, what world am I living in? Sometimes I, I just, I just don't get it. I feel it. like social media makes everybody hostile against each other too. I mean, even Nextdoor, like Nextdoor was formed for neighbors to be cool with each other and help each other out, let them know good things. And then it's nothing but like a hostile hunting ground. I agree. I agree. I appreciate you taking the time and coming by as usual. And uh, we'll see you again in April. For having me. I'm looking forward to coming back and talking about something new. Always a pleasure. Up next, we'll be joined by our special guest from the Woodland Park High School Cheer. That's head coach Shannon Lampton and the assistant coach Cheyenne Hellman. We'll be right back. Are you tired of gambling? Or maybe gambling just isn't your thing? Then you need to come visit the historic Butte Theater, located in the heart of Cripple Creek, Colorado. Enjoy our classic melodramas, Shakespeare of the West, musicals, comedies, and our community's favorite Christmas show. The Butte is fun for the whole family, so get your tickets today at thebuttetheater.com and come join in our fun. Back into the Bear Cave. I'm your host, Dennis Zerl, and we've been waiting for quite some time to talk to our next guest, and that is Woodland Park Cheer Head Coach Shana Lampton and Assistant Coach 
Cheyenne Hellman. Ladies, welcome into the Bear Cave. Thank you for having us. It's kind of crazy the way this all turned out. We were talking earlier and uh, like they say, when it rains, it pours. It's like, yeah, can we just get one of the coaches in here? And now we got Shana and now we got Cheyenne and you guys have been killing it. Thank you. We've been working hard. You went to Woodland Park High, right, Cheyenne? Yeah, I graduated in 2016 and was a part of our same program for all four years. And Shana, were you coaching at that time? I was not. I didn't start coaching until the spring of 2020 when they hired me. So you've been part of that whole kind of progression from, because I think you guys went from third place in state, then second, and then you guys won this year, right? Yes, we did. <laughs> Still crazy to hear. <laughs> well, you've got some other kudos going too, because I think you're going to be at the uh, city council meeting. The city's finally going to recognize you guys this week, I believe, right? Yes. On Thursday, after our practice, we're going to take the team over there and just um, introduce ourselves and just thank the city for being so supportive. I think they should have thrown you guys a ticker tape parade. That would be nice. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it'll be snow. Who knows? But uh, we'll still do it in the snow. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, I think it's so awesome because uh, one thing I wanted to get people to understand is is that uh, you know my generation cheerleaders were you know they're cheerleaders and you're kind of overlooked, but this is a full on sport and it's been that way Absolutely. for a couple of decades, I guess. Because uh, I noticed one day I was just kind of going through ESPN channels and they had the whole cheerleading thing going, and I was just like glued to the television. Don't take this the wrong way, but it's like watching the circus. I mean, there's so much acrobatics going on and strength and, and there's all these kind of things. So Shana, describe this sport to me. How would you describe cheer? I am from the generation similar to yours where when I was in high school cheer, there was no competition. And if there was mid eighties, it was mainly teams from like California, East Coast, Texas, that generation. So I've been able to watch the process of cheer for 35 years. And so- it's evolved a great deal from when I was in high school to uh, you have to be just like in any sport, you have to be a very good athlete at very specific things. So you have to be able to dance, tumble, stunt, cheer. There's like five components that each competition is comprised of. And so as an athlete, you have to be able to do all of those things to be fairly successful. Um, and the evolution, like you said, is about taking cheerleading seriously as a sport and so my goal in life as a cheerleader and a cheer coach is to convert one person at a time, because that's really all you can do in this sport, because people have their preconceived notions of what cheerleading is. And so it is up to me and our other coaches and our athletes to get people excited about cheer and how competitive it is. It's a multi-billion dollar industry and it just got sanctioned as an Olympic sport. So I'm looking forward to watching cheerleading now in the Olympics and um, now it's going to be on more of a world stage, which is very cool. No kidding. It's going to be a summer games sport, I would imagine, right? I'm actually not sure. I haven't seen which it's going to be in, but it just got sanctioned a year ago in January as an Olympic sport. That makes sense. I mean, you're not going to be doing a bunch of tumbling and and acrobatics on a ski jump. Or right. I'm assuming it would be similar to when gymnastics takes place. Yeah. So, yeah, it makes yeah. sense. I was reading an article the other day and I can't remember where it was, but it said that in cheer, they have more concussions than any sport, including football, hockey, you know, the, the major contact sports. And it's like, okay, it makes sense because mistakes are made. If you drop somebody literally on their head, it's a, that's some serious business. Yeah, it is um, impact sport without the helmet. And so we have to take as much time off sometimes as football or hockey because of the amount of impact on their bodies. And, you know, you have to keep them on tasks because the lives of their teammates are in their hands. And so keeping them focused and 
doing everything properly is very important. And it really takes the whole team. I mean, there's not one piece that we can't do without the whole team being in it. It it takes so much trust from the entire team. You know, we're, we're literally throwing people in the air and they're doing spins and, you know, flips and all sorts of different things. And the amount of trust that is involved is incredible. Now, the other thing I, I want to kind of mention too, is that there are guys on the team or a guy on the team, right? And when you go to competitions, it's, it's kind of like uh, my old sport of skydiving. You had competition teams, you had teams that did different things. Now, the team that just won and that's going to nationals, that's a very specific team in a category. Is that right? Yes, we compete so far in all girls here. So you have a co-ed team and then you have all girl teams and then you have what's called game day teams. So there's different divisions and different categories that you can sign up for. Hang on, let me write this all down here. (laughs) It's very confusing. I mean, across the board from what we do at state to what we do at nationals, they're all different divisions with different rules and every nationals has a different set of rules and a different set of divisions. So it's hard to keep track of. Okay, this is bad because now when I go to a football game, I'm not going to look at this the same way again. No, your rule book in football is quite minuscule compared to the rule book in cheerleading. It's quite thick. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. You have to follow it or you will get deducted or disqualified. And the, the point system, I mean, like, you know, when you walk into a football game, if you get a touchdown, you're getting six points. When right. we walk into a competition, we're doing the same skills and getting different scores every single time. It's, you know, it's all dependent on what the judge wants to score you in that exact moment at that exact time. Now, let me ask you this. Is it kind of like gymnastics where you have to do certain routines or you have to do certain things? during that that performance? Sort of. So it's the way it works is you have different categories. So you have your stunts. Uh, we call it our mega stunt. That's our main stunt. Then you have your cheer. That's worth about half of your points. Um, and that's really focused on, you know, leading your crowd with your signs and your megs and your palms. And then you have your jumps. So everybody will do a jump, whether that's one jump, two jumps, three jumps, it's really up to you. Um, then there's tumbling. You can do standing or running. And then there's our pyramid. So and then dance. That's the the fifth category. So we're all basically doing the same category of stuff, but there's a, a wide range of difficulty within it. Wow. I saw some of the routines that you did at state. Somebody was filming them and put them on YouTube. And uh, I was kind of amazed. It's like, these aren't, and it all makes sense now because it's like, these aren't the same people that I saw going to the football game. That was a different type of squad and different thing that was going on. Well, currently those are the same kids. So they- Oh, they are they, the same. Okay. Th- yeah. We just don't do all that big stuff at games because our main goal for the football games is kind of maintaining tradition and school spirit and fun and dance and things of that nature. But when we hit the competition, mat, it's a completely different mindset. Yeah. Plus it's 30 degrees outside and, yes. and everybody's S- teeth are chattering. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one thing that people don't realize too, is that this is a year round sport. This is not just a, okay, you got basketball season or wrestling or, or whatever. You guys are involved the entire season. So you've got to consider injuries and all these kinds of things that go on, right? Well, we have tryouts in May. And they have an opportunity to choose to try out for just sideline, just competition or both. And of course, there are certain requirements for both. And then we, for the first time this year, we had the kids condition one day a week with us as coaches at the school during the summer. And then they also did a day at a tumbling gym down in the Springs. Oh, wow. So we carted them down there. 
And then we did what's called a stunt camp in August. So we hauled the kids up to our camp in Deckers and we spent three days up there and we had a specific instructor come and it's under the umbrella of the Varsity Company or the Varsity brand and it's called V-Rock. And so we stunted for three days in the mountains, which was great. Did a lot of team building and then we immediately start our season on August 8th and then we have our first game on August like... 20th or something. And then we are now still in January and we're still going. So we'll have um, February, March and April off. They usually do some kind of like open gym or something like that where they're heavily involved. It's one of those, you know, they say it's like riding a bike. You don't lose your skills, but they definitely don't stay as good as if you don't stay on top of it. So they're they're on it year round. And, you know, especially with competition season, these kids are juggling a lot during August, September, October, because we start learning our routine. They have to learn all of their half times. They have to learn all of their chants that they do at the football games. And then we start competing our first competition was October 31st and they competed at least once a week if not twice since October 31st. Yeah this was the first year we competed I think seven times prior to state just like a regular football season we had seven and they've never done that before so we had you know half our team this year had never cheered a day in their life. So really, we yeah, we had a green team. Um, half of them had never done it. So we had them sign up and the school was great about um, our athletic department and our athletic director, Chad Cosner, was fantastic in saying, what do you want to do? Let's sign up. Let's get you in. So we had like a regular, quote unquote, football season, you know, competition every week for uh, seven to eight weeks before we hit state. So we did a lot of work prior to December 10th, which was our state day. Did you do that much work last year before state? No. Um, it's, you know, <laughs> progression. You know, you know, when you finally have the team that you know you have and we're like, OK, if this is going to happen, this is going to be the year because we just everything was falling into place. So when the kids come through, we don't currently have a feeder program. So we have no alternates, no bench. Yeah, no, so, no junior high school program or anything like that to draw on that, from. Working on that, trying to get them started in sixth grade because we yeah. don't like they currently have football and volleyball and all that going on at the middle school. So they have kids coming through that have experience in the sport. Cheerleading is so very specific. You have to have experience to be competitive. And so we would like to get them started with an actual team and competing in middle school now. That's our next Goal. It's funny when you said it's a multi-million dollar business because I've seen several feature films about cheerleaders and it's it's always kind of a you know it's a little bit campy but the stunts and the things that they're doing on the movies that's that's the real deal. I mean there's there's no stunt people. These are actual you know college level or whatever cheerleaders. And now there's a scholarship program as well. You can get a pretty decent scholarship through cheer. Really depends on, you know, the school and the level. Male cheerleaders specifically are highly, highly sought after. And a lot of them, you know, we have a wrestling coach. He he talks to the girls all the time because he came from a college cheer world as well. And, you know, scholarships as as a male are like candy. They'll give it out as much as they can because that kind of yeah. experience, they'll teach you anything, but they really just need you in there. I mean, it, we've got lots of girls that are, are looking at going to college and getting scholarships right now. Or Our senior class specifically is incredibly talented, and we're really sad that we're losing that talent next year, but excited for them to go and see what they're going to do. So Just up the uh, level for coaches to see what you can put together again for next year, right? Yeah, you never really know what routine you're going to have because it depends on the talent that you have coming in. Um, I'm always talking to high school boys who are on football or wrestling, or I'm like, hey, you should try out for cheer. And they just kind of give you the typical, you know, so... (laughs) 
And I'm like, dude, you you will never play football for Michigan, but you sure as hell can get on the field and cheer for them. You could go to every Big Ten right. football game and be a be a cheerleader, but they sometimes they don't quite get it. And I've had men who are now in their 20s and 30s talk to me. One is a police officer that we spoke with, and also who part of Woodland Park. I don't know his name, but um, and then also our wrestling coach. They're like, dudes, you need to start cheering because a it's probably the hardest thing you'll ever do as a sport, and b you can get really good scholarships. So I'm always encouraging the male population to kind of get over their ego and get in there and start cheering. But I'm always like, you guys need to, you can get scholarships, you can get full rides, you need to go for it. You got to do all the work, but the, the opportunities are really there. Yeah, it's, it's such a dude thing. <laughs> it, well, it the, is. And the biggest thing with cheers, you know, you look at other sports and it looks hard. The whole goal behind cheer is to do things that are incredibly hard and make it look like it's not hard at all, that it's super easy. So, you know, I think nine times out of 10, people are either too scared to try it or just assume it's super easy. And then you actually go and do it. And you, you ask some of our new girls, they were like, oh, I thought this was going to be so much easier than it is, but you want me to do what? Like, you're asking me to do that? I don't know. And I'm, I'm sitting here listening to all this as my vertebrae are compressing on them, on themselves yes. without even seeing it. But Cheyenne, how'd you get started? Now you're, you're from the area, right? No, I'm actually from Texas originally. So I played softball for a long time. I came from a tiny town where if you did one fall sport, you were required to do a winter and required to do a spring because there was like 12 kids to go around. Um, that's kind of how I got started. Um, we all kind of played volleyball together and then a cheer gym opened in our area and they were like, well, why don't you go try? And started there, did competitive for quite a while. I, I won a couple of national champions. And then I moved up here. I My uncle and his family moved up here and we followed kind of shortly after, just needed a change. My parents asked, do you want to go high school or do you want to go competitive? Because you can't do both. They're super expensive and decided high school was really what I wanted to do. Loved it. Loved the program. Uh, came back a couple years later and they needed a coach and Lampton was there and couldn't have asked for a better opportunity and been there ever since. It's been great. So You had a uh, scholarship opportunity as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, had a yeah, yeah. So I tell the kids all the time, I'm kind of a stickler when it comes to the pyramid section, because that's like one of my bigger injuries. I, I ended up getting t- taken out on a stretcher in the middle of the high school. So I was fine. It was more for dramatics, I think. But yeah, I, I mean, a lot of it, uh, we have a lot of long term injuries, things that you don't think are going to bother you as much as they do until you get five years down the road. And you're like, oh, my gosh, my, my knees feel like I'm 80 and my back. I can't, I go to the chiropractor and they just can't help me anymore. And, I was going to say, I, I bet there's a lot of uh, MCL, ACL type of stuff, meniscus tears and things like that, right? We've, we've been pretty lucky this year. I mean, find some wood and knock on it real fast, but we've been pretty lucky. I think most of the times our, our biggest concern is the concussion because everything just comes down and you got to catch them or else something, they're going to hit the ground. And our kids, we've really focused on this year, you know, keeping each other safe. That's been a huge priority for us because we're, we're building on difficulty. It's getting harder and harder and harder, but you got to still keep each other safe or else we can't do these things things anymore. Chasa, the Colorado High School Association, is very good about doing pre-screening. So we have to do pre-screening before our season even starts. So that all the team goes through a protocol and it all gets recorded. And so you get like what their baseline is prior to competing or doing cheer. And then if somebody gets a knock on the head, they do our athletic trainer, Melissa Uriar, who's fantastic and one of our biggest fans. Um, She'll take them through the concussion protocol. So we try to stick to that religiously. I mean, even if 
you know, you got your good player out, just like in any sport, you can't put it back in because it's not worth it. It comes down to it is just cheerleading. That's your brain and we're going to keep you safe. Yeah, that's a that's a good attitude, I think. Well, you were talking about all these kind of clinics and, and places you go to. That's That costs money. An enormous amount. <laughs> the school can only kick in so much in their budget, right? How's that all accomplished? So the girls spend a lot of their year fundraising. We're incredibly lucky. You know, like Shane had said, Chad Cosner and our entire athletic department has, has really been incredibly supportive. You know, they really back a lot of our uh, competition fees, which alone is astronomical. It's really depending on which competition you go to. Some of them are per athlete, some of them are per team, but it, it really adds up. Um, but for the kids, you know, they have to get the uniform and we have to get, you know, our... our um, so wait a minute, the, the school doesn't pay for the uniforms or anything like that? They've paid for, for one, one of them. One set. Because when, when I came in, there was nothing, absolutely nothing. And so um, at the time they bought a set of uniforms. So now we have the kids purchase one and then I have a school set to give out also. Wow. So they have like a green uniform and then a white uniform that we can alternate. I had no idea. Then they have palms that they have to buy. They have, you know, our warm up jacket and our pants and then shoes. Yeah, our shoes, um, the, the tumbling, the bag. I mean, like I said, it, it adds up. They spend quite a bit of money on top of us even going to nationals that's all them they're all fundraising you know coaches and uh cheerleaders we're we're all fundraising our way for that okay you saw my eyes rolling back (laughs) in my head that's uh i can't even imagine how much that that costs i think a brand new cheerleader will probably have to spend between 15 to 1800 and then hopefully we're going to get four years out of that uniform so we'll try to keep having them purchase their green uniform eat as they come in but then a new cheerleader will be spending around probably five to eight hundred dollars and that does not include their paying money for their own nationals trip or whatever which is costing us about i think about 14 to fifteen thousand. that's a lot of money for a kid 20 people yeah yeah. That, that takes some dedication. It does. And, you know, we put all this out prior to tryouts. So there's never a surprise like, okay, you know, this stuff costs money. You know, how many years can you get out of your shoes? You know, how many years can you get out of your palms? So a new cheerleader coming in is going to be spending more money and then hopefully they can use their their equipment over the next four years. Now, do those cheerleaders have to try out again every year? Every Absolutely. year. So it's not a guarantee that you're going to make no. the team just because you had a good season. That is uh, important. Um, skills change and bodies change and mindsets change and commitments change. And I think it's only fair because you've got new kids coming in that everybody starts on a level playing field. It's amazing. I had no idea. And, and Trevor and I have been talking about this for a while. Tell me about uh, the Nationals coming up now. Is that this weekend? It is. We leave on a plane out of um, Colorado Springs Airport on Friday and we land in Dallas and then we go straight to the, the venue where we practice and we've also been nominated uh, nationally as one of the teams to, there's a Go go Be Great award that they give away at NCA and Woodland Park was nominated and then we are in the top five. So we don't know if we've won that award. A couple hundred teams. So, so yeah, so that's exciting. No pressure. No, uh, we'll take it. With the, being nominated and getting in the top five. Um, so we're going to find out who wins that on Friday and then we compete at one. 144. One 144 on Saturday, Saturday, and then we compete at 310 or three something like that on Sunday, and then they announce the awards on Sunday afternoon for our team in our division, um, and so we're 
Uh, There's 28 teams in our division. Now, is this a televised event? You can find it. It's on Varsity TV. I don't think they'll be like televising it um, on like your normal platforms, but Varsity TV, you have to have a subscription for it. They'll be recording it then. Yeah, but they'll have a a full live program on there and then you can always watch back and look at at the, the performance if you missed it. Have you raised all the money that you need? Not yet. This is an ongoing process year round, right? So exactly. even if we do air a little bit late because we're slow on the uptake, we can still help you raise money for uh, the upcoming season, right? Absolutely. Uh, there's always pieces of equipment that we are in desperate need of. I mean, our sound system is from like 1982. So, oh, wow. uh, you know, because music is a big part of our program. So we need a new portable sound system. Just little things like that. Mats, um, funding a kid that can't spend $200 on a uniform. So, you know, the money is always being put to good use. And I just want to remind everybody that this is the first team from Woodland Park that has won any kind of athletic state championship. So congratulations to that. Thank Thank you you so much. Hopefully it won't be the last one. We're hoping next year we'll have another. Is this the culmination of the season then? This is it. This weekend? Yes. So we're excited and looking forward to it. And then uh, we'll have our, like our cheer banquet uh, once we come back and also recognize our sideline kids that who didn't compete and then also recognize our competition team. Okay. To say I'm blown away is an understatement, but uh, I got to say one thing, the bear cave, we took up a little bit of a collection and uh, because we're such cheap skates, we did come up with 60 bucks. So that's that's thank you so much. That's probably going to buy some coffee for the coaches or some Excedrin or some, some headaches. Thank you. We really, really appreciate it. Honestly, every little bit counts. Absolutely. It, it really makes a huge difference. And uh, all you businessmen, quit spending money on political campaigns and start helping out the uh, state champions here. Right. I usually say that once or twice a day just to remind people like, oh, by the way, did you know? that we're state champions. You should have seen us. We went back to our, our, you know, where we were staying at the the state championship win. And I think we were all kind of in shock. We sat there for a bit, just kind of looked at each other like, Like, huh, that just happened. We're state champs. (laughs) Hey, hey guys, we're we're state champs. It's it's still a little hard to get it through to the kids because they don't realize how good they are because they're just kids from Woodland Park. And we're always like, you guys are actually really good. You know, be proud of who you are and what you represent. And they're like, okay. Well, you know what? I appreciate you coming in. it's really an honor for us to have you here. Finally, I mean, like I said, we're a little slow in the uptake and uh, we certainly want you to come back from time to time if you have some fundraisers or something like that and something that the Barricade can help you with. Uh, we're, we're certainly into it for sure. Well, we appreciate you having us and supporting our team and our program and, and Woodland Park High School. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Up next, it's our friend, the manager of the Butte Theater, Zach Stanio, followed by News of the Weird and find out who gets to meet Dozer on the Bear Pile this week. So don't go away. Are you having a hard time seeing out of those dirty Colorado windows? Or maybe it's just time to finally clean those sidewalks, garages, and those stains on services around your home and office. Well, now there's a solution, and it's Peak Washing LLC. Veteran-owned and operated, Peak Washing LLC is your mobile window cleaning and pressure washing solution. Their services range from residential jobs to commercial projects using a safe and environmentally friendly approach. Peak Washing LLC can also clean and sanitize heavy construction equipment. There's virtually no job that Peak Washing can't handle. So call Greg at 719-651-7518 or find them on their Facebook page under Peak Washing LLC. That's Peak Washing LLC, your solution to that dirty job.
Welcome back to the Bear Cave. I'm your host, Dennis Zarrell. And on the Bear Cave hotline right now is our friend, the Butte Theater Manager, Zach Stanio. Zach, how are you? Oh, doing well, Dennis. Doing well. Just uh, running around like a chicken with my head cut off. So you're a one-legged man in that kicking contest again. You know it. All right. Well, we won't take too much of your time, but uh, we know that it's community theater season time right now. And there's a very unique production going on right now at the Butte Theater, right? And, and uh, why don't you tell us about that? So we're starting the community season out January 20th this Friday with the Pulitzer Prize winning play The Effect of Gamma Rays on Man in the Moon Marigolds. It's directed by Courtney Loggins. Uh, she teaches art and theater up here at the high school as well as she's been an actress uh, both on stage and film. So she'll be making her directorial debut here at the Butte. That's very cool. Yeah, I've talked to Courtney on a couple of occasions and uh, when I was in the film commission, she was on there as well. And uh, yeah, she brings a lot of experience up to Cripple Creek. So that's kind of exciting. Now, my understanding is that it's an entire female production. Yes. So we have um, Courtney Loggins, uh, Kaylee, which is uh, plays the youngest daughter in that. Uh, she's a member of the community. Jamie Brown, who a uh, phenomenal actress. Uh, she's a member of the community as well. And then um, Sarah Johanna, and she will uh, be playing the older sister as well. And she has the benefit of being my lovely wife. Yes, yeah, she does. And we finally get to see her on stage. That's exciting. Oh, yeah. She is uh, 10 times the actor I am and uh, a lot more empathetic. Now, tell me when the uh, it runs for two consecutive weekends. Is that how it's working? Yes. So it runs this weekend, Friday, two shows Saturday and one show Sunday. And then next weekend, same layout. Well, after this production is over, it doesn't stop because we got the Ice Festival coming up and you have got something going on at the Butte Theater at the same time, correct? Correct. We will uh, we'll be holding game shows at 1 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday, the 18th and 19th of February, uh, right during Ice Fest. So uh, go look at the amazing sculptures and then come get out of the cold, have some uh, hot chocolate and warm up with some friendly competition. All right. I might have to take you up on that one because I'm going to be hanging out at that Ice Festival. It's going to be really cool. I'm, I'm excited to see it. In fact, I, it'll be my first one. I've never seen one before. So I haven't either. Yeah. Well, we need to do lunch and then uh, check out some ice, I guess, right? Heck yeah. All right. All right, Zach. Well, I know there's a bunch of other things coming up, but we're going to keep that close hold for uh, another few weeks until uh, we got some solid information. And then uh, we'll be letting our listeners know what's happening for this season. Well, we do have uh, one more thing, Dennis, in February, uh, February 10th and 11th. Uh, the Friends of the Butte will be bringing back the show, The Beautiful Love Stories. And that features uh, real love stories from the community that is brought to life on stage by community actors. Oh, wow. That sounds cool. Yeah. So I think they've got uh, six stories that they are putting up and uh, they're going to be, I think, some singing and uh, maybe some instrument playing in between uh, the stories. But yeah, it's uh, going to be really cool. And they're in rehearsals for that right now. They uh, Last year, they did kind of a reader's theater. And this year, they're going to be off book and performing the uh, stories without any paper in front of them. Wow, it sounds like a good time to me. And, and you know, it's that time of year when you need to get out of your house and get rid of those winter blues. The best place to go that I can think of for some awesome entertainment is getting up to the Butte Theater. Amen. All right, my friend. Well, we'll be checking in with you again real soon. And uh, if nothing else, I'll see you in a couple of weeks at the Ice Festival. Sounds good, brother. Okay, my friend. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Dennis. Bye now. Bye. That was our friend Butte Theater Manager Zach Stanio coming on to the Bear Cave Hotline. Always appreciate Zach coming in and finding out what's going on in the uh, Butte Theater these days. Always something new. And that leads us into the next portion of our show because it is time for News of the Weird. This week, the headline reads, 
Bright idea. Okay. An unnamed man in Detroit was arrested in early December for illegally possessing guns, but the federal agents who arrived at his home with a search warrant were more interested in how he made a living. It seems that the Detroit entrepreneur sold, get this, marijuana from vending machines attached to his house, and he was clearing over $2,000 a day is what he told the agents. He admitted it. I mean, how can you not? It's attached to your house, right? The agents with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives made purchases from the machine to collect evidence before the bust. The man is released on bond. Yeah, I think I'll put a cannabis vending machine outside of my house. Great idea, right? Said no one ever. Good Lord. Yeah, all that does is make you a candidate for the bear pile. And of course, each week we nominate a person, place, and or thing who should be tossed on the bear pile and eaten by the bears. This week, the person, place, and or thing to be tossed on the bear pile to eaten by the bears is... The Republican members of the House of Representatives for delaying the vote for Speaker of the House 14 times and holding the American people in limbo why they joust with one another over stupid titles and chairmanships. You know, we still say that they uh, should have just let the fistfights continue on the floor. That would have been great. But anyway, the nominations this week for the honor of meeting and being eaten by Dozer and his buddies are... Number one, President Sniffy Joe for running a public storage classified version out of his garage. I wonder if he finds himself totally irresponsible. You know, he probably doesn't even remember what the hell he took from the White House anyway. Oh man, we are so screwed with this guy posing as the POTUS. Number two, the unnamed Detroit entrepreneur who thought that putting a cannabis vending machine attached to his house would be a good public service. Yeah, until the Fed showed up. And how much of your own product did you actually consume there, Einstein? He should have put a snack vending machine next to the pot. He probably could have doubled his money. (laughs) The fact this guy did this in the first place just blows my mind. Ah, Whatever. And number three, Consumer Product Safety Commission spokeshole Richard Trumpka Jr. For jumping from the frying pan into the fire by claiming that that gas stove that you have will eventually kill you. Well, you know, I guess he's just being a good little woke soldier pushing that stupid Green New Deal. Uh, Sorry, I mean, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. This is just way beyond stupid. All right, well, I'm done running my mouth hole this week. I want to thank our sponsors, Abode Real Estate, The Butte Theater, and Peak Washing LLC for their support each week. I also want to thank my guest, Mayor Hillary Labar, for coming into the Bear Cave Studio today for the Mayor's Corner, and also my special guest from Woodland Park Cheer, Coach Shana Lampton and Assistant Coach Cheyenne Hellman for coming into the Bear Cave today. And uh, you know what? We wish you the best of luck at Nationals this weekend. It's not too late to throw some duckets their way because this is a fundraising process that goes all year long. So let's get out there and help our state champions. Thanks also to Butte Theater Manager Zach Staniel for coming on to the Bear Cave Hotlines. We encourage you to get out of that house and go see a play. 
If you have an event coming up or you just want to be a sponsor of the show, you can reach us on our Facebook page, This Week in the Bear Cave, or our Instagram page by the same name. You can send your hate mail to thisweekinthebearcave at gmail.com, and you can access the show on Spotify, Anchor by Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcast. Our not-so-celebrity guest next week is going to be Consumer Product Safety Commissioner Spokeshole Richard Trumka Jr. Yeah, that's a mouthful. We're uh, kind of interested to find out what he plans on banning next. I don't know, maybe gas-powered hot water heaters because they create hot water which can harm you or even burn you. I wouldn't be surprised. Republican Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy was supposed to come on to the Bear Cave hotline, but, you know, he was just short a couple of votes from us here in the Bear Cave and the Bear Cave staff. Oh, no. Sorry, Kevin. We'll get you back right after we vote for the, I don't know, 14th time. But I can tell you, it's not really looking that good for you, but, uh, oh, well. Until next week, be well and thanks for listening. Sweet dreams, Sam and Max. This Week in the Bear Cave is produced by Animus Productions, all rights reserved in perpetuity.